today we're going to continue our series uh, called He Was. And so we're going through Isaiah chapter 53. And in this chapter, it's a prophecy before Jesus was even born about his death. And so, um, so we're kind of going through what that looks like and, and kind of how it applies to our life. So last week we talked about the fact that the Bible says he was despised and rejected. And we said that for a lot of us, we've been despised and rejected in our past, right? Like, like we've been through that. We understand that. Um, as a matter of fact, we got a really cool story this week uh, of someone that, that had dealt with that, and they're not in the room right now, so normally that means I would tell the story, but they're not in the room. I didn't get permission to tell the story yet, but hopefully I'll be able to tell that story, and it's an amazing story of someone that was rejected, but how God turned everything around for them. So, um, but today we're going to continue in this message series, and, and in this message series we're going to be talking about sin, because one of the things that the Bible says is, is in this um, passage, well, let's just go ahead and read it real quick. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6. I'm reading out of the New King James on this one, so it's a little bit different than my other translations I use. But it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray... We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What, that, what that, um, those two verses are saying there, it uses the word iniquity and transgressions. These are two words uh, for sin, right? For sin. And, and so today we're going to talk about sin, and I know it's not the most fun topic to talk about. Everybody, I, I get... Two sides of this coin all the time. I have some people that tell me the church is not hard enough on sin. Someone needs to preach the truth and talk about sin. And then when a preacher talks about sin, people get mad and leave the church. I've had it. Like, I've literally had it. I've talked about I remember one Sunday specifically, we first started the church. I got up. I talked hard about sin. And as soon as I did, I saw a family get up and leave. And I knew that was the last time I would see them. Sure enough, it was the last time I ever saw them, right? Because we want to hear someone be honest. We just don't want them to be honest with us. I, I want you to be honest with the guy sitting next to me, but don't touch my stuff, right? That's how we want to operate. And so today we're going to talk about sin, but here's the cool thing about sin. It may not be fun. It may not be popular. But what that verse says in verse 6 is it says we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Everybody say all. All All of us have sinned. Everybody sinned. Some of y'all sinned this morning before you got here. Some of y'all, the thoughts you're thinking right now about me about to preach about sin, you're probably sinning, right? Like, like we all have sinned and gone astray, the Bible says. And and so, so here's the thing about sin. Jesus deals with sin. He's not afraid to talk about sin because he knows he takes all of our sin on himself and dealt with it on the cross. And so he says, I can deal with your sin. Sin doesn't bother me because I can handle it. I can help you get through it. And so today we're going to talk about these, these sins um, and, and what he did. And so, so here's what I'm going to do. In your notes today, um, I put notes out on your, on your uh, chair today. The very first section is talking about transgressions and iniquities, and then it's just a bunch of blank lines. The reason is, I just got a lot of stuff to say about that, all right? And so I didn't have time, and I didn't want to go in and put all the little blanks and all that stuff. That's on the back side. We'll get practical in a minute, but let's start off. Let's just talk about what the Bible says. So, so a couple of things I want you to notice, and we're going to spend a little bit of time here, so pay attention. It says, he was wounded 
for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. So two different words meaning two different things. And notice, notice this. The punishment for each one is different. He's wounded for transgressions. He's bruised for iniquities. How many of you know the difference between a wound and a bruise? Anybody know, nobody knows? Okay, I'll explain it to you. So right now we were laughing before, um, before church. Uh, a couple of us, uh, myself and, and Tim and, and Eric, kind of, uh, did a workout this week. And, and we had a, a dumbbell in our hands. And, and the dumbbell, the rubber on the dumbbell wore, a, uh, wore out a spot on my, on my thumb knuckle, my, my thunkle, right? And so, so we were looking at our spots. And I showed them, like, how big this one is huge. I got a big old huge. So you Facebook people, y'all can see that. Get grossed out. Hope there's no pus coming out of that would be gross but but the funny thing about that is I even put tape on it like I did everything I could to protect it and still yet I've got a wound so what is this wound this wound is external right everybody say external so I know you're listening some of y'all are about to sleep on me already so the wound is external the wound is external on both hands and we were laughing and we were Tim was like well look look at your hands are worse than mine and Eric was like yeah yeah your hands are way worse than mine I was like because I finished the workout and y'all didn't um and so <laughs> And so I did more, I did more work. Um, so I'm sure Lee's hands are like crystal clear. But um, so, so anyways, sorry, sorry. Um, let's get back to the Bible. So anyway, so I've got these wounds on the outside. But this morning I get in the shower and as I get in the shower, I look at my arm and there is a bruise on my arm. Now, I didn't notice the bruise until today. I'm not even sure where the bruise came from. I don't know when I got the bruise. At some point in my past, I have acquired an injury on my arm that has just now come to the surface. Where does the bruise start? Internal. So there's two different kinds of sins we're going to talk about, and they're both dealt with in different ways. One is external. One is internal. He was wounded. Another word for wounded in the, in the Hebrew there was pierced. In other words, it's something that comes from the outside in. It's something that attacks me from the outside. But bruised, also meaning crushed, means something from the inside rising to the surface. So today when we talk about sin, we're going to talk about transgressions and iniquities. Transgressions are those sins on the outside. They are the obvious sins. They are the things that I do from a day-to-day basis that I mess up on, right? Like, like whenever I'm, uh, I, I don't really, this isn't bragging, but um, I don't really cuss. Like I just never I've never been a cusser. I think one time in my life, um, I thought the rapture had happened when I was a little kid, and I said a cuss word because I just thought, you know what, I'm going to hell anyway, may as well get it all out. Never cussed before, I'm going to just start right now. And then I saw my parents, and the rapture had not happened, and I totally felt shame and guilt and repented uh, for saying a cuss word. Which is funny that I don't cuss because in that moment, I didn't even know how to cuss to make it sound right. I just randomly said cuss words. You know, it just didn't even fit with anything I was doing. Um, I don't know why that came up. I just thought about it, and it was funny. Um, so anyways, but it's, it's one of those things of, uh, Bobby says this all the time, because Bobby probably cusses, but he stub your toe if you stub your toe, and then you say a word, right, Bobby? That's, that's your example all the time right here in front of both your kids. So, um, so those are the sins that you commit just like, oh, man, I just, I just did something, Right? You're, you're flipping through a magazine and there's that picture of that woman in that bikini and you just stare at it a little bit. For whatever reason, the page is really heavy and it's hard to turn. Those are sins. Those are external. Those are transgressions. The word transgression literally means 
to rebel. It means rebellion. In other words, it's something that I know I should do, but I choose not to do. Or it's something I know I should not do, but I choose to do. Husbands, we have this problem all the time. How many times have we been in an argument with our wife, and on the inside we know, do not bring up her mother. And then it comes out of our mouth. But your mama, and then it's over, right? Now we're dead. And, and so it's one of those things, it's these sins that, that you know I shouldn't do this, but I do it anyway, or something I should do. I feel, like, I feel like God wants me to do something, and I choose not to do it. These are these external sins. Now listen, there's a difference between that and an iniquity. Because one is on the surface, and one is internal. For a transgression, here's what you do. You get forgiveness. Bobby stubs his toe. He says a word. He looks around and sees his daughter watching him. He says, God, forgive me. Then he says, Maddie, forgive me, right? Because she's stronger than him anyway, so he's got to repent real fast. Maddie, forgive me. God, forgive me. And, and it's over. It's done. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's nothing moving forward. It was, a, it was a slip up. I messed up. I stepped over the line. The Bible says the word sin means to miss the mark. I missed the mark in this moment. So I get forgiveness. But here's the difference. When we go to iniquity, this is something deep. A bruise is something deep. A bruise is a sign that there's bleeding sometime, somewhere internal, and it's just now getting to the surface. Listen, a bruise, I, I found that bruise on my arm. I don't know when that bruise happened. I don't know when the injury occurred, but I see it now. Sometimes an iniquity, here's what happens. It can be something from your past, and you may not even remember it all happening. You don't even remember what all happened, but you know I was injured in my past. But for whatever reason, now that I'm in my 40s, I see it coming to the surface. Now that I'm under pressure, I see it coming to the surface. Now that I'm married, I see it coming to the surface. Now that I have kids, I see it. All of a sudden, these moments in life will draw up that iniquity, and you'll see it come, come to the surface. So what's the difference between that and, and a transgression? For a transgression, I need forgiveness. For an iniquity, I need freedom. For a transgression, I need forgiveness. But for an iniquity, I need freedom. Give me some practicals. Help me understand what you're talking about. Let me help you to understand. So, so let's, can we just talk about sins and just throw, let's throw a bunch of sins out there, right? That way everybody feels bad about themselves and we can just get it over with. Because the Bible gives us, Old Testament and New Testament, gives us a whole bunch of sins. Like the Bible lays it out for us. Anybody that says, I didn't know that was wrong, but they've read their Bible, they're a liar. They knew it was wrong, 100%, Right? Not only that, the Holy Spirit will tell you it's wrong, so you know it's wrong. But here's what the Bible says. In the New Testament, in the New Testament, and look, here's the other thing about sins. I love how God doesn't just talk about the big ones, right? Everybody wants to talk about sexual immorality, uh, homosexuality, murder. They want to talk about, you know, uh, stealing. They want to talk about everything that they don't do, and those are all sins. And let's point at those people but what, what do we do when the Bible says that no coward will enter the kingdom of heaven? How does that make me feel? What do I do with the Old Testament and the New Testament that says gluttony is a sin? We don't ever talk about gluttony. Nobody talks about that in church, right? Because we don't want to talk about overeating. Let's talk about homosexuality because I don't like that. No, no, no. Let's talk about how we ate last night. Okay, so let's get to the difference between sin, between transgression and iniquity. Here's the transgression. The transgression is 
I was sitting down at a meal, and I overate. I shouldn't have overeaten. I ate till I was about to puke, right? Anybody have one of those? No, just me. Okay, yes. Well, I've done it. I do it every so often, right? So is that, a, is that a transgression? Sure, that's a transgression. I probably did something I shouldn't have done, let's say. So what's the difference between that and gluttony? Gluttony is I lean on, I depend on, I can't stop eating. When my feelings are hurt, I eat and I eat and I eat. When I'm depressed and I'm discouraged, I eat and I eat and I eat. I go into, I lean on food instead of leaning on God. Food has become my God. Does that make sense? So, so Jesus says this, yes, um, you know, we, we talk about sex outside of marriage. It's, it's a sin. The Bible says it's a sin. Homosexuality, it's a sin. Adultery, it's a sin. The Bible talks about all of these things as being sins. Jesus says, though, here's the thing. Jesus says it all starts with thinking a thought in your heart. He said, if you look on a woman with lust, right, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So here's something I notice about my sins and my transgressions. My, I mean, my iniquities and my transgressions. My iniquities are something internal that are bigger, that I lean on, that I depend on. And most of the time they start with a transgression that goes unchecked. So once I get comfortable stepping over that line, and I notice that I can step over that line and it hurts, but it doesn't hurt real bad. And I notice I step over that line and God didn't wreck my car. I notice I step over that line and, and hellfire and brimstone didn't fall out of heaven, right? Once I step over that line enough times and I get comfortable with it, then it becomes a lifestyle. Then it becomes an iniquity. It, it becomes something I just can't get rid of. Here's the other thing about iniquities. Not only do they come from unchecked transgressions, but iniquities can be transferred. And this is something we don't talk about a lot either, but you're going to look in your past in just a second. As soon as I start talking about this, we'll start thinking of things in our past. And we can think about iniquities that have transferred from generation to generation to generation. For some of you, you can't remember the last person in your line that stayed married. Divorce, 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 all the way down. For some of us, we can look back in our line of, of generations and we can see abuse, 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 abuse. We can look back and we can see sexual sin after sexual sin after sexual sin. Why is it that we can see those things? Because these iniquities get transferred because no one ever deals with them. We want to deal with the surface issues. We want to deal with the wounds because those are easier to deal with than digging down inside and dealing with what the real problem is, and that's the iniquity that's growing inside of us. We've got to deal with these things because we don't want to transfer these to another generation. It cannot just, it's not just about transferring from one generation to the next within the line of a family. It can also do the same thing within the line of a spiritual family. I've noticed before, even in churches, where you would have the pastor would be messed up in some area, and then all of a sudden you'll notice multiple people within that church having that same exact issue. Now, you may not notice that, but I've noticed that in pastors because I know pastors and I talk to pastors and I hear about things in their churches and I talk to them about things in their churches. And that's one of the things that we notice is we can see it in ministries. We can see it in churches where it just continues to get passed on. Why? Because, because that iniquity never gets dealt with. Here's one more thing about iniquities. The Bible says that, that the word bruised there can also mean crushed. An iniquity is something that crushes you and breaks you into pieces. This is an important term because later on, uh, Jesus fixes this. So, so it, it crushes you and breaks you into pieces. When I sin, when I just have a sin, a regular old 
sin. I, I think a thought I shouldn't think. I say something I shouldn't say. I do something I shouldn't do. When I do that on a daily basis, when I have a transgression, I feel bad in the moment. I'm like, man, that was really stupid. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? The other day, I mean, uh, you're, you're just talking, I, and sometimes my mouth gets me in trouble. I'll be talking, and I'll just say something that's just not appropriate for the moment. I think that was really stupid. That was boneheaded, right? And I just say, God, forgive me. And honestly, I forget about it. I move past it. But whenever an iniquity rises up inside of you and begins to reveal itself, here's what happens. It begins to crush us and break us into pieces. Why? Because it's so, it's so discouraging it's like we're doing so good, right? We're living our life for God. We're doing everything we're supposed to do. We're loving our spouse and we're loving our kids and we're doing great at our job. And all of a sudden that iniquity rises up and we fall to that temptation. And it's different than any other temptation. It's different than any other sin because you know this is deep. And when you fall to that sin, it absolutely destroys you. You spend all night. Just rolling around in your bed, you can't sleep, you can't eat, you don't feel good, you don't feel right. There's something broken inside of you. These are deep sins that someone's got to deal with, that someone's got to get freedom from. It's the difference between slipping and being a slave. And being a slave requires freedom. Someone's got to break those chains that Pastor Jonathan was singing about today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a little bit in... I kind of thought about not sharing, but I'm going to share just a little bit. Because I've shared this before, so it's not new to, to most of you. It may be new to some of you. And it kind of helps me to share sometimes. But I've shared this before that I told you when I was six years old, uh, first time I was ever exposed to pornography in my life. Six years old, I, I, I can remember the exact everything about the moment. I remember the TV. I remember it was a black and white TV because we didn't have color TV when I was six. Um, but I remember, I remember everything about the moment. I remember the, the show that was on, the movie that was on. I have no idea how it got there, um, but I remember it. I also remember um, going back four, uh, two years before that, at, at four years old, at four years old, um, being exposed to, uh, I don't think I've ever shared this before. It's kind of hard. Um, I remember at four years old, an, an, older, an older girl um, made me sit and watch as she took her clothes off. Four years old. I remember it. That started developing an iniquity in my life that tracked with me for years. It was a struggle. It was difficult. We moved to Guatemala where there's no censorship anywhere, right? Like living in another country. Have you ever been in another At least here, like we've got some semblance of censorship. As bad as you may think it is on TV, go to another country. You'll find much worse. But I remember living in Guatemala, and I remember walking down the streets, and they would have playing cards, and on the back of every playing card was a naked woman. You would go into, the, you would go into these little shops, these little tiendas, and they would have, they would have these little, um, uh, what, what do you do, what do you buy whenever you leave, uh, you go to a country, you buy somebody something, what's that called? Souvenir. Man, my brain just doesn't work. They would have souvenirs. Why in the world you would want a souvenir like this? I have no idea. But it was like a half piece of fruit, like half an apple, and you pick it up, and there's two little bitty figurines uh, performing sex on each other. It's kind of funny whenever you think about how stupid it is, but, but that's what it was. And it's like, and I remember as a little kid, like, you're, you're just looking at them like, what is that? What is that? What is that? And I'm just, like, this is, this is from four to ten years old I'm being exposed to a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that I should have never been exposed to. Even now, I don't want to be exposed to some of the stuff I was exposed to back then. Now, that formed an iniquity in my life 
that no matter what I did, no matter how many mission trips I went on, no matter how many times I came down to the altar and prayed, no matter how many times I raised my hand in worship, no matter how many sermons I preached, no matter how many people I witnessed to, none of that stuff got me over what was inside of me. And I felt broken and crushed. And anytime I had a thought, anytime I saw something, it would just crush me and break me down, and the enemy knew that. It affected my relationships. It affected my relationship with my wife. It affected our, uh, our marriage. It was, it was one of those things that just became a struggle on the inside. And it, was, it broke me all the time. All the time. But here's what the Bible says. It says the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, we want to talk about being healed there as being um, physically healed. And yes, we can claim that same thing. But I want to talk to you today about having an internal healing, a spiritual, soulful healing. And the word peace there means this. It means um, complete and whole, nothing missing, nothing broken. So when your iniquity breaks you down and breaks you into pieces and crushes you into the ground, the Bible says that Jesus took a whooping, right? Why? So that we could be made whole again. So we could be put back together. And we could be healed. And we can be set free. Thank God today I'm set free. Now I know, I know that that is an iniquity. I know that's something in my past. And we'll talk about this in a minute. I know there are things that I need to avoid. In my past, I don't drink alcohol, never have, don't touch it, won't ever touch it. I told my children, I said, as long as your last name is right, you will not touch alcohol, period. That's, that's what we do as rights. And they said, well, why? And I said, because in our past, it's an iniquity. If you look back at my, at my dad, at his dad, at his uncle, at the grandparents, at the people that raised him and formed him, and it, alcohol was always a problem and an issue. Anybody with the last name right that picks up a bottle ends up messing up. So I said, this is, we're just not going to touch it. Like, it would be foolish of me to allow that in our family. Does that make sense? So, so we'll, get it, we'll get into that in just a second. But I just, I just want to let you know about how these iniquities work their way through our lives until someone has the boldness and the courage to stand up and break that iniquity in their life and for the next generation. So the Bible says that his peace... Oh, that we can have peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken, full, complete, whole, right? So how does that work, Gabriel? We need some practical tips. Let me give you some practical today. James 4, 7, and 8. Jonathan, here's your verse for today. Jonathan was so excited. As a homeschooler, he knows a verse, and this is the one he knows right here. James 4, 7, and 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James was not an easy person to listen to, right? Like, I know this isn't the most fun message in the world. I get it. But at least I'm not James. I'm not, like, calling you names today. James like, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Um, so today I want to look at this passage for just a second, and I want to take three um, three things out of this passage that I think will help us on the road to recovery, on the road to healing, on the road to complete peace and wholeness. Okay. Now, there may be more things that we can add to this list, but today we're going to look at three things. The first one I want to look at is James says, submit. In other words, what does submit mean? Submit means I need a not my will attitude. 
I need a not my will attitude. I need to have this attitude sinking down into my heart that it's not about me, it's all about him. As long as it's about me, I will continue in my sin. I will never get free from my iniquity. As long as it's about what I like and what I enjoy, and as long as it's about my feelings, I will stay stuck in the, in the mud of my iniquity. I've got to learn how to get out of that. And how do I do that? I have to learn how to be subject. The word submit means to be subject to someone else. I've got to be subject to the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm watching this show on, uh, on Netflix right now. And, and in this show, one of the things, uh, it's, it's called Canine Intervention. My oldest son got me to watching it, and it says, this dog trainer, and I love it because this guy trains attack dogs. And I just think it's so cool. And I try to get my dog to be an attack dog, and he never does. He just licks everybody because he's the biggest sissy in the world. And so, and so, like, I'll tell Bo, I'll be like, Bo, attack! You know, like, if the kids are bothering me, I'm like, attack Colton! And then Bo just goes over and licks him, and I'm like, that's not what I wanted. But this guy, like, he's got these dogs, and he'll be like, he'll tell them all these German words, you know, and, and I don't know why German. And German just sounds mean, I guess, is why. And so he uses German words, and then the dogs can go attack, and they fight. But in, in a moment, he can be like, heal, and the dog will stop attacking and straight up run next to him and just sit down and just be, like, completely calm and cool and collected. In other words, no matter what that dog is doing... When the, when the trainer gives him the command, the dog is subject to the trainer, even over his own emotions, even over his own actions, even over his own feelings. The dog can be frothing at the mouth, biting, tearing up somebody, and with one command, he's back in a place of submission. Brett, you know about this. Brett has a dog. He's a canine cop. So he knows about it. He knows he can send a dog out, bring a dog back, all with just simple commands. Why? Because the dog is subject to Brett, right? He's subject. He is submitted to Brett. We need to be submitted to the Spirit that as soon as we hear the command from the Spirit to stop doing something or to do something, that we are in subject, we are in line with Him. It's like the word heal. It it means that we walk next to, right? So here's what the Bible says in Galatians 5, 16, and 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That sinful nature is that iniquity inside of you that craves to do something wrong, that, that you're willing to set up you know, anything you can to do something wrong. And, and the Bible says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives that you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. We've got to let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. Romans 8, 5 says this, Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. As long as I have a... Uh, my, uh, as long as my attitude is about me, then I'm going to struggle. But as soon as my attitude shifts to the same attitude Christ has, and the Bible says, take on the same attitude as Christ, what was his attitude? Christ's attitude was, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus is praying. He's about to go to the cross. What does he pray? He says, God, this cup is really bad. If you could take this cup from me, that would be really great. But not my will, yours be done. Even to the point of death on the cross, Jesus says, it's not about me, it's about you. 
My will is that, in, that sinful desire. My will is that iniquity that wants to rise up. So what I've got to say is, if I'm going to break that thing, it starts with having an attitude that says I'm going to submit myself to God no matter what. So if you really want to be free, it starts right there. If you don't want to be free, you're not going to get past that point. Like that's going to be the sticking point right there. It doesn't matter what else I say today. If you can't get past that point, you're going to be stuck. Because God's going to ask you to do some things in the next couple of points. I'm going to point out some things that God's going to ask you to do. And you're not going to want to do it because it's not going to feel good. It's not going to look good. It's not going to be one of those things that you really enjoy. It's not going to be fun. Last time I checked, Christianity isn't about being fun. It's about being free. And sometimes you've got to get your hands dirty to be free. As a matter of fact, my next point is resist, which means I have to, get, I have to do the dirty work. At some point, you're going to have to get your hands dirty if you want to be free, right? In, in order to make an omelet, what do you got to do? Break some eggs. That's right. That's right. Or go to the store and buy one. Um, so here's the thing. Two, two points on resisting the devil. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Two points on that that you need to know that you can take notes on. Number one, you've got to expose the iniquity, right? You've got to expose the iniquity. You've got to name it. You've you got to bring it to the surface. Here's the thing. Iniquity draws its power from secrecy. As long as you keep your sin a secret and nobody knows about it, it has control over you. But the moment you bring that sin to light... It loses power over you because now someone else knows. And now you're, you're humble and someone else knows what's going on. Psalm uh, 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So you need to know, God, what is it inside of me that's offensive to you? I'm telling you, I, there, were some, there were some issues in my life. I know I talked about uh, being exposed to pornography, but listen, I'm way worse than that. Like, I've got lots of issues, right? I'm totally normal. So so I remember having some issues just when it came to self-esteem and when it came to um, self-worth. And I had some issues in that area as well. And it it transferred itself over into being a leader and being a pastor. And I struggled sometimes with some things. And and I remember going to this small group that was just for pastors. And when I'm in this small group that's just for pastors, all of a sudden something was said in this, this... this iniquity just came to the surface. And it wasn't an iniquity like you and, you and I would think. It wasn't like murder or, or coveting or anything like that. But it was just this, this, this thought that came to the surface that wasn't from God. It was definitely from my past. And once it was exposed, then I could deal with it and I could get over it. So you've got to expose those things. But here's the thing. Just because God points it out, now you've got to do something with it. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If we want to get free, not only do we have to figure out what it is, but then we got to tell someone else about it. That's how we find freedom. We tell someone else about it. My son Colt, uh, my youngest son, turns 10 today. Today's his birthday, right? Yeah, today's his birthday. I didn't see him this morning, so... He, uh, and he makes Perry and I very old because now all of our kids are double digits. So now we're like ancient, right? And so, um, and, uh, so anyway, so one of the things about Colt is Colt has this problem with confessing. Not that he has a problem. He, it, he admits everything. That's the problem. The problem is he confesses everything. He can't not confess. And so Colt has this issue like if we were to say, Colt, you can't eat any more cookies. Like he would come in our room cookie in mouth. You would think he's being rebellious. He's not being rebellious at all. 
he has already stuck the cookie in his mouth, and he thinks, I've got to tell somebody. Like, I'm doing wrong, and I've got to show somebody what I'm doing. And he'll walk in the room and be like, man, this cookie is good. And I'm like, Colt, I told you not to eat that cookie. I'm about to whoop your butt, you know? Like, and he's just like, I know, but i got to tell you. It's like, I know what's happening. Like, I get it. It's going to happen. And so, um, and so he's, it's like he just in him, it's in him to confess his sin, which is great. And I don't want to squash that at all because it helps me not have to ask as many questions. Right? I just look around like, yeah, it's obvious. Obvious you're sinning, son. Um, and, and that's what God wants from us. God wants us to be, to be confident and comfortable with confession. Iniquity wants you to keep it a secret. But Jesus says the things that are in secret need to be exposed. You need to shout them from the rooftops. Don't do that. Like, if you've got a sin, please do not go out and don't put it on Facebook. I don't want to hear all your sins. Find an accountability partner. Find a small group. Find a mentor. Find someone that can love you and disciple you. Uh, Don't put it on Facebook. Just FYI. The other thing that we've got to do to resist the devil, so first you've got to expose the iniquity. The second thing you've got to do is actively work against it. So in James 4, 7, the one we just read, it says resist. That word resist means to set against, to oppose, or to stand your guard. I read a book a while back, very good book. It's called Atomic Habits. Um, and in this book called Atomic Habits, it's not a Christian book, but if, if you want to read it, you can. Um, I'm not going to promise you it's totally clean. I don't remember. It's, I know it's not a Christian book. But the guy talks about breaking habits or starting new habits, and, and it totally hit me with this uh, message today. One of the things the guy says, for example, he says uh, he knew somebody that had a habit, a bad habit of watching too much TV. So they would go every day, and they would just veg out on the TV, and they would, they would not do their work, they would not do their schoolwork or whatever it was, or homework or, or, or house chores, whatever it was they weren't doing. It was a family, um, I think it was a couple, and they would just... The, the husband would just get zoned in on TV, and that was it. He was just locked in the TV all day. And so they made a decision. They had to work against the bad habit. So here's what they did. They took the TV off the wall, they unplugged it out of the wall, and they put the TV in the closet. Now, anytime he wants to watch TV, he's totally welcome to watch TV, but he has to do the work of getting the TV out of the closet, hanging it back on the wall, plugging it in, hooking all the things up, and now he can watch TV. So what does he do? Now he thinks, I don't know if it's really worth the effort to watch TV. Like, it better be a good movie or a good game for me to go through the effort of watching TV. One family that, that I read about, um, they, they said every Saturday was their only day off, and they would spend all Saturday watching football games. I'm like, well, what's wrong with that, right? Like, I don't see the problem yet. And they just said that, that they never spent time with each other. And there are moments when they could spend time with each other. They're both watching football games all day. So they decided, they decided to, to cut off their cable, and the only way to watch football games was to go out together to a restaurant or bar or place that showed the football games, and that was the only way to go watch the football game. And even then, it limited them to one football game because they couldn't stay that much longer, and so for them, it opened up so many more opportunities. So how does that work with our iniquity? Here's how it works with our iniquity. You have to set up You have to work against your iniquity, so you may have to set up some boundaries, and you may have to fight a little bit to to get past that iniquity. So in our family, knowing what what my past as a kid was, something Perry and I do is before we watch a movie that we've never watched before, we go to IMDb and we check, is there any nudity in this movie or TV show? If there is, we ain't watching it. We go out and we, we purchased, um, we pay every month for a, a, 
an app called VidAngel, and VidAngel allows us to watch a lot of movies and TV shows, not all of them. Disney's kind of the sticking point. Disney won't let you do it. Boo, Disney. And, um, and, and so what they do is, is this, this uh, app allows us to watch movies and TV shows, and it cuts out all the nudity. It'll cut out all the cussing. It'll cut out all the things that we think are wrong, and, and it saves us from being exposed to things that we don't want to be exposed to. It saves my kids from being exposed to things that they don't need to be exposed to. These are, these are little things that are very important that you've got to work against these things, right? Another one, we talked about gluttony earlier. Think about it for a second. I'm very bad about eating the wrong things. I know you look at me and you think, that little skinny guy, I promise you, there's a big boy on the inside. I love to eat. I love to eat. And I don't love to eat good stuff. I hate broccoli and vegetables and, and carrots. They're horrible. They're of the devil, right? But I love to eat cookies. I love donuts. I love ice cream. But here's the thing that's crazy. I will not eat donuts, with one exception of being on vacation, I will not eat donuts if they're not in my house. Because I don't want to drive, and I hate Dunkin' Donuts, so I won't drive all the way to Hoover to get a good donut that I like because it's too much time and too much money and so I just won't eat them. I love Dorito chips. Anybody else love Dorito chips? I love Dorito chips. They're awesome. But if I have Dorito chips in my house, I will eat the entire bag in one sitting. And so you know what I do? We do not buy Dorito chips. Every so often, Eve over here will buy some Dorito chips at the house. And I eat those suckers. Eat every one of them. And the kids are like, we had Doritos for lunch. Where'd they go? I'm like, I don't know. And I got all the, like, all the stuff all over my face. I love chocolate chip cookies. Love them. Jim gives my kids chocolate chip cookies all the time from Publix. And so there'll be these chocolate chip cookies in the house. And I know they're for Colt. I know they're for Colt. (laughs) Colt doesn't ever see them. Because when they're in the house, I eat every single one of them. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is if you want to get past your iniquity, if you want to get freedom from your iniquity, you've got to work against your iniquity. Don't bring certain things into your house. Listen, don't put yourselves in certain situations. If, if you've got a problem, if you've got a problem uh, with, a, with a girlfriend, or maybe you've got a problem in your past with, a, with, with, um, you know, with sexual immorality, and now you're married, and you're like, I really want to keep my life pure, don't put yourself in a situation when you're with someone of the opposite sex alone, and there's no one there to watch you and check on you. Gabriel, you're such a prude. No, I'm not a prude. I want you to be free from your sin. I want you to go to heaven with me. Right? I want to go to heaven, period. And so, so here's the thing. Don't put yourself in a situation. So with, with us on staff, there's three of us that work here, me, John, and Beverly. When we go out anywhere, we take the church van because it never gets driven. So we drive the church van. Beverly never sits in the front seat. It's not because we don't like Beverly and we don't honor Beverly, but we don't want people to see me or Jonathan driving around with just Beverly. Why? Because it look we're avoiding the appearance of evil. Does that make sense? Like we've got to stop thinking about my will and what feels good to me, and we've got to start thinking about God's will and what feels good to Him, and let's work on His will, not our will. I better move on. I can tell already. Y'all don't like that point. Number three, and this is the last point. Again, there could be lots of other things. Reading your Bible is good. Jesus 
Jesus confronted temptation with God's word. That's a good one. Um, worship is a good one. Prayer, is all these things are good, and we'll talk about some of those. But, but the third point that, that James tells us is he, says, is he says you need to draw near to God. That word draw, there, draw near or come near means extreme closeness. Extreme closeness. Have you ever been extremely close with somebody? Have you ever been uncomfortably extremely close with somebody? Yeah. I get claustrophobic sometimes when I'm in a, in a car. Have you ever been in the backseat of a car and there's like a lot of people in the car and you're in the very, very backseat of the car and you think you're okay and then all of a sudden you realize you're not okay? I'm that way. I'm like, can you please stop the car? Can you please roll down the windows? I'm going to jump out. Um, extreme closeness. Uh, another word for uh, the other thing that means in, in that come near or draw near to God, it means worship. It's the same term that was used whenever the priest would go in um, to the temple to, to talk to God, to worship God, to burn incense to God. So that extreme closeness or worshiping God, um, another one is turning your thoughts toward or to join along with. That's what these, this word means. So when James says, hey, here's what you need to do. Here's what you, need. you need to humble yourself. You need to submit to God, right? You need to, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit, walk with the Spirit, not according to your flesh. You need to have that, that not my will attitude. That's the first thing you got to do. Then James says, you got to resist the devil. You got to expose your sin, expose your, your issue to somebody, right? A, a pastor, a friend, a, a family member that you trust that will pray for you. And then also you got to resist it. You got to stand against it. You got you to cancel the subscription. You got to turn off the TV, whatever the case is. But then there's this third thing James says. He says, you got to get extremely close to God. You've got to find a way to get extremely close to Jesus. So I want to give you a couple of verses and then, we'll, then I'll shut up. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. I love this. This is huge for us today. It says, I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Where does the iniquity make us weak? On the inside. So here's what he says. Paul says, I want you to have unlimited resource that he will empower you with inner strength through his Holy Spirit. So how are you going to be set free today? How am I going to be set free today? We've got to have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, giving us that inner strength. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. Man, listen to these words. These words are powerful. So he's saying, he's saying the Holy Spirit's going to strengthen you on the inside where that iniquity once had power. It's not going to have power anymore, right? We're breaking that iniquity because it's not about my will. It's about his will. I'm resisting the devil and he will flee. And now, and now I'm giving God a place in my heart that was once the enemy's place. Now I'm giving it to God. And not only does the Spirit strengthen me there, but it says Jesus makes his home there. Do you think Jesus wants that sin anywhere near him? Absolutely not. So if he's living inside of you, then that sin has no place in you. And then it says your roots will grow down deep into what? Into the love of God, which has the power to keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand all, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep, His love is. May you experience the love of Christ 
though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete. That's the word we talked about earlier when we said that iniquity crushes you and makes you broken, but Jesus makes us complete. Peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. And and the Bible says here, you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. God wants to make you complete today. We want to be empowered and led by the Holy Spirit and rooted and grounded in His love. Let me, let me finish with this last verse. Galatians 5, 19-25. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Obvious, he says. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Think about these words. Think about these words in terms of iniquity. Outburst of anger. Have you ever had those moments? I just want to stick on that one for whatever reason. I don't know why. But have you ever had those moments where you get angry and you don't even know why you're angry? Like your kid says something and it's not even that big a deal and you just blow up? I've had those moments. I've had those moments. Why? It's something deep down inside that I've got to get checked. And I've talked to Perry about it. And so now Perry will give me this look. Whenever she sees me kind of riling up, she'll give me this look like, what is wrong with you? Chill out. Why? Because that's something I've got to get out. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's some bad news right there. Paul says, here's a list. You want a list? Here's a list of things that will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he starts the next sentence with a but, and I love it. Why? Because he says this, but changes everything, right? He changes everything before. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature. They've nailed those iniquities and those deep sins and those things that happened when they were younger and the things that were happened to them in, a, in, in their last marriage and, and, and what their dad did and their granddad did and their great-granddad did. They've nailed those things to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Why don't you stand up with me this morning? There are some areas of our lives that we need to deal with today. And it may not all happen at once. It may not all happen right now. It's not necessarily something, it may be something that you've got to work through. It may be something that you've got you to kind of dig out But I want to tell you something. We call ourselves Gateway Family Church for a reason. And the reason we call ourselves family is because we want to be a spiritual family for each and every one of you. I wouldn't have made it as far as I've made it today if it hadn't have been for this church family. If it hadn't have been for me going to people in this church and saying, look, I've got a problem, I've got an issue, I've got a, I've got a discouragement or a depression, I've got a, I've got a sin, I've got something, and I need you to pray with me and help me get free. And so I just want you to know today, we're here for you. We're here for you. 
And we'll have prayer time at the front. We'll, we'll get some people to come down to the front and pray for you if you need prayer. We will do that. But listen, don't, don't be afraid to find somebody that you trust in this church. Someone, an elder, a pastor, someone that you can count on, a small group leader. Don't be afraid to go to somebody and say, hey, look, I've got a problem I need you to help me with. Because we're here for you. We want to help you. We want to keep that between us. So avail yourself to the help that God provides for you. Amen? So here's what I want to do. I want us to pray this morning. And, um, and as we pray, let me see. Gary and Sarah, would you guys come down here to the front for me real quick? Dad, would you come down here to the front right here? And Perry can stand with you for a moment. If you need prayer for anything today as we, as we dismiss, just come let these guys pray for you. They'll stay for a few minutes even after church and they'll pray for you. But if you need prayer, avail yourself to that. For the rest of us, let's close our eyes right now. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts. Whatever it is that we need from you today, whatever it is that you're speaking to us about today, whatever it is that's going on in our lives today, search us, O God. Search our anxious thoughts. Search our iniquity. Search our lives and see if there's anything in us that offends you. And if there is, expose it to us first so we can deal with it today. Maybe today you're not serving God at all. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've, you, you've, maybe you've prayed a prayer, you went to church, but you never drew near. You never followed Christ. If that's you this morning, you want to give your heart to Him, I want to help you. You can just slip your hand up. You can put it back down. I just want to see. Awesome. You can just pray this prayer with me today, just on your own, but... But God, today we come to you and we ask you to forgive us of our sins. We ask you to forgive us of our transgressions, those things that we've stepped over the line, and I'm sorry for that, and please forgive us for that. But then, God, there's also these iniquities. There's also these, these internal things, God, that we're dealing with today and we're struggling with today. And today we ask you to give us freedom for those things. Not only forgive us, but set us free. And God, we know that, that really the only freedom comes from following Jesus Christ, from, from drawing near to, to, to what we said earlier, submitting, being underneath your covering. And so today, we, we ask you to be our Savior, forgive us of our sins, set us free, but also be our Lord, be the one that we follow. Today, we submit our lives to you. Just like the song said earlier, we stand, with, with, uh, we stand here submitting in submission to you. We give you our lives. We give you our hearts. Walk with us and lead us and guide us in every part of our lives. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer this morning, you can come down. He's going to sing for a minute. Kim is going to dismiss, but even as he sings and she dismisses, if you need prayer, come get somebody to pray with you today.